Good evening, North Georgia. It's Ralph Taylor, and happy Labor Day, everybody. I hope you've had a really terrific weekend, and you're now on the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. We're going to take you out of the Labor Day weekend with a great hour of great music. And tonight I am so thrilled because we have uh, just a terrific couple of young folks here in the studio. And uh, uh, together they go by the name of, of Wise Water. And let me tell you something. We're going to have a tidal wave of good music right here on the Chattahoochee Folk Hour with Kate Lee and Forrest O'Connor. So, folks, get home, settle into your favorite chair, and pour yourself a nice tall glass of sweet tea and enjoy the next hour. You're going to enjoy it with the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. Well, Kate and Forrest, welcome to the Folk Hour. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. You're here in the studio. It's great to have you here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we're um, we're traveling around uh, Georgia and Alabama this weekend, and, and um, we're playing at the, uh, we, we played at the Crimson Moon um, a couple nights ago, we're glad to, to um, yeah, to be able to stop in with you today. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, folks, um, uh, Kate and uh, Forrest have already played at the Grand Ole Opry and uh, I think Station Inn. Did I read that correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. now you've made it to the Chattahoochee Folk. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. Can't get further than that. That's right. Well, I can't wait for folks to get to know you and get to know your music. Kate, let's start with you now. Uh, yeah. Ladies first. Oh, yeah. um, tell me about your background. Yeah, well, I grew up in Rochester, New York, and when I was nine years old, in fourth grade, in school, they allowed us to pick uh, an instrument that we thought would work real well for us, and I I chose violin because I'm a real short person, and I've always (laughs) been short, and so it was the smallest of the string instruments, and I really gravitated toward it. And so I did classical all throughout my studies, um, but at first I was just doing classical. And then when I started singing and experimenting with my voice, I realized I had a real folky kind of country voice. And so I decided to turn that violin into a fiddle. And <laughs> and so I, I kind of experimented with other styles on the violin. And I had a a band growing up called Kate Lee with no strings attached, and we did a lot of bluegrass um, in the Northeast. So, so there is bluegrass in the Northeast. There is. <laughs> We've always wondered that down there is, here. Yeah, yeah. There there is. a couple good hubs of it. Like Boston has a pretty good scene. New York yeah. does too. We're we're catching on. You're catching on. Well, good. It's it's trickling up up north now. Yeah. The season. Yeah, I know it's got a great scene up there. Yeah. So, I mean, did you come from a musical family, or did you just decide to pick this up on your own? Well. My my dad is very musical. He was not trained on any instrument. He plays a little bit of guitar and he sings and does some songwriting. So I think I think I got it mostly from him, but both my parents really care about music. Mhm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And then did I read that you went down to Belmont? Yeah, so I I went to Nashville, Tennessee to study at Belmont University and I graduated wow, over a year ago. Uh-huh. I went fast. Yeah, congratulations. How, how <laughs> did you, you choose Belmont? Oh, well, I had gone to Nashville several times during high school to play at the Bluebird Cafe and a, a few really cool places for writers to play. And while I was there, I checked out a few of the colleges, and Belmont really seemed to be the right fit for me with the teaching classical as well as commercial styles and so I was a commercial violin performance major really 
What, yeah. now, what do you mean by commercial? Is it basically not just focusing on classical? Gotcha. So, a fiddle major. <laughs> <laughs> fiddle major, I love it. Yeah. I found another word that began with C and ended with L that, <laughs> that covers all the other styles of music. That was yeah. That word of choice. Yeah, I guess because commercial violin could be jazz or it could mm-hmm. be any of the Americana styles. So, I think that was a kind of a catch all term. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay, we're so glad to have you here. Oh. Man, it's it's our pleasure. Uh, and, and speaking of musical families, Forrest O'Connor comes from the uh, a, a, a major league uh, <laughs> uh, family. Uh, Forrest is, is Mark O'Connor's son, the virtuoso fiddle player. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Nashville. Um, my parents met there, and, and both of them are, are musical, actually. My mom studied music as well. So there was a lot of music in the, the household. Um, that was actually... A couple of my favorite um, uh, albums that my dad has recorded are from the late 80s and early 90s. So right when I was like two, three, four years old. And so I grew up listening to that before I even realized what I was listening to. And so I think that became kind of ingrained. And um, but it was pretty amazing. You know, it was largely instrumental music. um, But he did work with some great singers as well. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get more inspired musically than than just being being around such great playing both by him and, and a lot of the people he was working with um some great session players in nashville and then also some some of those those early 90s country singers vince gill and ricky skaggs steve warner people like that oh yeah um, that was that was really inspiring i moved out to montana with my mom when i was 12 um, and i actually picked up the mandolin there so Did I, I didn't really play a whole lot of music Myself in Nashville, I was just, I guess it was all, you know, all my time was spent kind of listening to it and absorbing it. And then picked up the, the mando out there and that became kind of my main instrument. And um, now I'm playing a, a few different instruments, including this that I'm holding right here, a guitar bazooki, and also be playing more guitar in our shows pretty soon. But um, Now, folks, if you're at home, don't worry. When he says bazooki, that's the name of an instrument. <laughs> not a weapon. <laughs> not a weapon. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell the folks what a bazooki is? You and I were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so a bazooki, is, that's a, a Greek word, um, and it's there are a few different variations of, of um, instruments like that that are basically, uh, they have two strings per note, and so it gives it, it gives each note a little extra resonance, um, and they're often tuned in fifths. Uh, so guitar is tuned in fourths and thirds, and uh, bazooki is so it's a little more open sounding. Uh, it can be a little more modal sounding too. Um, and mandolins and fiddles are also tuned in fifths, but it's basically just a big string instrument that you pluck or use a pick with, like a guitar, but um, just different tuning, double courses, um, and that's what I'm playing. I'll be playing here. Uh, it's, this one's shaped like a guitar, which is kind of unusual, but uh, most of them are like teardrop shaped. But yeah. um, this one's a, a, a rare bird. <laughs> yeah. And Forrest, you, um, you, you were actually a uh, the the, a, the champion mandolin player, didn't you? Didn't I read that online? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah, did the, the Tennessee State mandolin contest last year, and um, and that was my, my first contest I'd ever entered. Um my dad grew up entering a lot of fiddle contests all around the country. That was sort of his bread and butter for several years. And um, and I was never, you know, contest playing is a very specific style. Yeah. It's not just, you don't just walk in there and play whatever fiddle tunes you want. There's like kind of a, a, a way of doing it um, and arranging it and everything. And 
So I kind of took what I had learned from him about arranging tunes and applied that to um, a one called Forked Deer. Yeah. Uh, and kind of went made went into a minor section of it. Just did some kind of weird things with it, and that ended up working. Um, not sure if I'll do another contest again since that's not really what I work on very sure, much but sure. um, but it was fun well, to you do haven't it. lost one yet yeah we've, I'll just we've keep only the done one one and oh we'll there just you go keep yeah retire while you're ahead <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then you also have, have another uh remarkable accomplishment in your life and about going to harvard tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah so i um i went there undergrad and graduated um in 2010 and i was one of the very few people who studied music there that was not a very popular major um and it wasn't performance either, so it was just theory and history. And, and um, you know, it, it's funny because there's obviously, they're, they're the government majors and the, the business folks and pre-med and, like, all the, quote, practical majors. And that's that's always a big topic of conversation is, like, what major is more practical? Sure. And, of course, music is on the bottom of that list. Um, but what's really interesting about it is that I actually really did learn so much there about um, arranging and harmony that, and a lot of stuff that's in, informed what we do. Um, and so because we're technically making a living at this, at this point, it's turned out to be a lot more practical than, than I thought. So that was really valuable to, to go through that there. And, and also Boston is just, has a great music scene. I spent a a lot of time over at Berkeley, uh, college of music and, and NEC New England conservatory, which is there. And yeah, a lot of great, students, young people playing, playing music and some really le- legendary venues there too. So yeah. it's cool to. Well, you know, for us, the, the Gainesville has a connection with Berkeley. You know, the president of Berkeley is from Gainesville, Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Roger Brown. I, yeah. Roger. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I met him a couple times and he's a really great, seems like a really great guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew he was from the South, but I didn't realize he was from, from right here. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and get into some music. Sure. Let's okay. uh, play one. Um, uh, we'll do one we wrote called, uh, we wrote with a good friend of ours, Jim Shirey, who is my best friend from college, and we we uh, wrote a lot of songs together during college and still do. Um, this is one we did together called Call It A Night. Baby, I know that we said we would have a night Couch seems like it'd be a sin. I've got an itch for a cold beer and a George Strait song. The TV will be there tomorrow, but the stars will be gone. I'll find. some music, had a couple of drinks, throw in a little dancing, baby, what you think? Spread a little love on top if the feeling is right, and call it a night. We could head on down to Broadway. Ball. 
dance floor that's right down the hall So I'll turn the radio up in the kitchen Let's sing along, baby, nobody listening Start out with some music and a couple of drinks Throw in a little dancing, maybe what you think Spread a little love on top if the feeling is right And call it a Set or forget our morning alarms As long as we wind up in each other's arms Start out with some music, add a couple of drinks Throw in a little dancing, baby, what you think? Spread a little love on top if the feeling is right Golly, wise water right here in the studio. I'm going to tell you, I, I say this at, you know, so often that I've got the best seat in Gainesville right here behind this board <laughs> in the studio. Wow. That's wonderful. That's Thank wonderful. you so much. Yeah, yeah well, let's let talk a little bit about uh, how you guys met and came together as wise water. Yeah, so I was working with a string arranger named Chris Wilkinson in Nashville, Tennessee, and I think I told her that I was wanting to put a band together and I was kind of doing my own soloist thing, but I, I wanted to sing with somebody else. And around that same time, Forrest came to her because they have been family friends for a long time and kind of expressed the same thing and mm -hmm. she put us together. Yeah, I I guess we did the, asked her the same thing. Yeah. I was, actually, I asked her, um, uh, for if she knew of any kind of young motivated female singers because a lot of the songs I was writing at the time just seemed much more suited for uh, for girls to sing um, so um, the first person she recommended was Kate and I looked up her demos online and everything and was just blown away um, and my mom was living back in Nashville at the time so I flew down there um, from from Boston to visit like once a month, um, which was quite a bit more often than I was going there in the first place, but just so we could get together and play. And and then uh, at the beginning of last year, 2014, I moved down there, and, and we've been playing together ever since then. Fantastic. Did um, How did the name Wisewater come about? Good question. Um, so it's uh, I when I was growing up, um, when I was like 12 or 13, I had – my Tolkien phase. Many yeah. people go through go through that kind of that particular phase. Um, You're J.R. Tolkien. Oh phase. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Got Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. Reading those books, probably probably read the Lord of the Rings five or six times. But um, enough being nerdy. Although this 
story continues to be pretty nerdy. So anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, it's cool to be nerdy. <laughs> folks. It's cool. it is. Yeah. Um, I sort of was wanting to write my own story, um, kind of like that. And I, the only thing I did finish, I, I didn't even start the story. I don't I don't think I planned it out, but the one thing I did make was a map, um, of a world that I just made up and had all the mountains and the forests and lakes and all that stuff. And, and it was a complete product. I did all the shading and, and uh, one of the oceans um, on it, I just named Wisewater. I don't know where I came up with it. And then, you know, the map kind of w- was stored away. And then like 10 years later, I pulled it out and was just looking at it. I was like, man, Wisewater, it sounds like it'd be a cool band name. Like I could hear that next to Coldplay and U2 and Wisewater. I don't know. It just seems to fit in that kind of like slightly abstract um, kind of edgy band name. Yeah, category. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then when, when we were thinking of names, it's just like, well, I have this this name and we decided we liked it. So that's where that came from. Well, I think it's a good name. I like yeah, well, it thanks. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in, in reading, it's so important to let your, your imagination, you know, open yeah. up and creativity open up. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, I, I've always been into Tolkien. He's mm-hmm. always, and I think I'm still into the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, totally. it's just something you just don't get, get away from. I mean, you yeah. always want to go back to it and I know. Take another look at it. Yeah. To yeah. to be totally revealing, I have a a, a tattoo in Elvish <laughs> oh, on my ankle. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got that when I was fifteen. That is just TMI. And I'm still proud of it. I'm still proud of it. See, no one knows what it is. Like if it was a, if it was like a tattoo of Frodo's face or something, that might be a little weird. But people just think it's like you know, some it's on your some ankle. foreign script. Yeah. And, well, uh, now that you're sharing something personal, I'll admit <laughs> that when I was a teenager, I remember one night saying my prayers. Praying for Frodo, and I kind of had to stop and said, wait a minute now. Yeah. This could get a little yeah. bit too far. Oh, that's great. That's awesome, though. <laughs> okay, guys. i got to get Kate he, to, re- to read those books. Yeah, It's amazing how much he's uh, affected people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, you've got an EP that you released. Yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah. Kate? Last fall, we put this EP out. And we actually just recorded it in my bedroom. We set up a bunch of sound equipment in there, and Forrest has some experience doing um, sound engineering, and and he's done videography and techie stuff like that. And so we just we knocked it out in a week, and and we're I'm still pretty proud of it. We're about to go in the studio to do a full length. Produced by Ray Kennedy, who is a producer we've really looked up to and are excited to work with. But I'm definitely really proud of that as a kind of a marker of who we were at that time. Yeah, because we'd only been together a couple months when we actually recorded yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, so we brought that in here today, and I know you're thinking about playing yeah. a couple things from it. And Yeah, well, let's go ahead, let's go ahead and uh, and set up the, the first tune that we're going to play. Cool, that sounds yeah. good. An observation. An observation. Yeah, number yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. What is that song about? Actually, so Kate wrote that one. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a song that I wrote with Pat Elger, who is a writer that I've always looked up to, and I he wrote songs for Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. One of my favorite songs is "Unanswered Prayers" that he wrote. Uh, I got the chance to write with him a lot while I was in college. I still do, but at one point we were writing together at least once a week, and this is one of the songs that came out of that. Okay. Now, tell tell the folks the difference between an EP and a CD. So an EP, it stands for Extended Play, 
and it's it's a shorter CD, basically five or six songs instead of twelve. Yeah. Um, Where do they get the name Extended Play? Again? I don't know. I, it's it's older. It's, it's after an older, older yeah. term. I mean, it's sort of a misnomer because uh, it's not really extended. Well, I think it's, but it's extended, extended from, a single. from the single. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's longer than than that. Uh, but it's yeah. not an LP. Um, the long play. Yeah. The player. Um, and um, so yeah, and we actually named it the demonstration because um, it sort of served as a demo. Uh, of sorts at that time and and um so yeah so the next one we're going to record the next uh album is going to be full length so probably have at least you know 10 or 11 songs on it okay let's make sure we can tell the folks where they can find you on the internet so they can look up the ep yeah they can go to our website which is wisewatermusic.com or search wisewater on facebook and i'm sure we'll have that full length out on Spotify and iTunes and all yeah that stuff look for too. us on Facebook if you see a picture of me glowing like I'm fluorescent that was just posted this morning then you're at the right place <laughs> <laughs> okay well, let's go ahead and play an observation cool that sounds good it's just an observation that the current situation is in Like wood. Where there's smoke, there's a fire burning from within. Where my heart has never been, I'm on a real high wire. Where do I begin to turn around and walk away?
fire Running from within where my heart has never been I'm on a real high wire Show me how do I begin mm-hmm. It's just an observation that the current situation is in good All right folks here we are we're back with uh, Wisewater right here in the studio and uh, we've just been listening to one of their selections on their EP and observation. Well, um, have you got another tune ready for us to go? Yeah. Um, you want to do Coming Home? Mm-hmm. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Georgia. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, seriously. Um, so, yeah, Coming Home is um, one I wrote uh, a couple years ago. It's also on the EP. Um, and um, we, I guess, could play the track off the EP, but it's fun to do it live, too. So we'll, we'll do that. Um, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm still driving my daddy's van My soul in the sky and my head in the sand Following a dream that withered long ago And I say, oh Got aches in my back and aches in my heart And when the aching ends, the hurting starts Cause life don't stop, but it gets harder to go And I say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I'm running low So I'm coming home to you, darling I'm coming home with the next sweet sunrise up all night I'll be dead before I die if I'm on my own So I'm coming home Well, the cool is cold and the heat is cool And I curse each night and drink like a fool My old guitar is learning every note And I say, I die alone, and if I die alone, can you tell? 
Thank you, April Virch. You are listening to the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. We're always here with you Monday evenings from 6 to 7. And as always, we bring you the very best in bluegrass and folk music. And man, oh man, we are having a good time tonight with Wisewater. And uh, now it's time, Kate and Forrest, for the Crazy World segment. Oh, yes. And it's a We've crazy heard about this. We've heard rumors. World, but I live here. And if you can hear me singing, so do you. I'm turning out my nightlight feeling satisfied Ain't nothing any one of us can do Oh no, there's nothing any one of us can do Well, as Doc Watson says, it is a crazy world. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't help but think of the name of, of your your group, uh, Wisewater, and thinking about, hmm, there's some Crazy World segments in there. Oh, yeah. So here on the Crazy World segment, we're going to be asking you some questions, okay? They're going to be tough questions now. I just want to let you know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay? <laughs> so be ready. Are you ready for this? Was there a I, I test prep so. book uh, that we missed? <laughs> yeah, there, there's no cliff notes. Yeah, we have not <laughs> no prepared, cliff notes. So. No studying yet. Okay, folks. Now, thinking about wise water. okay? Our first segment is talking about some themes pertaining to water, okay? Mm-hmm. So here's your first question, okay? What river is described in this famous poem by a certain author? The I will tell you the poem's name is The Song of the Blank, okay? And the poem goes like this. Out of the hills of Habersham, down the valleys of Hall, I hurry amain to reach the plain, run the rapid and leap the fall, Split at the rock and together again, except my bed, narrow or wide, and flee from folly on every side. With a lover's pain to attain the plain, far from the hills of Habersham, far from the valleys of Hall. Okay? So now then, that's your, your first Crazy World question. Is the river they're talking about, A, the Mississippi River, B, the Ohio River, or C, the Chattahoochee River? Well, we're on the Chattahoochee Folk Hour. Well, that may be a hint. I know, or it could be a trick. <laughs> um, when was it written? Do you know when Have it was Have you written? heard that poem before? No, uh-uh. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
Well, do you have I, any I th- idea, Kate? I, I think you. I think you're going with your gut on this one. For let's us. go with our gut, Chattahoochee. There you go. You're right. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, uh, uh, the Chattahoochee River uh, uh, is one of uh, Georgia's uh, most reputable and beautiful rivers. Uh, the river originates in the southeast corner of Union County, Georgia. You heard the mm. words Habersham. That's Habersham County and okay. Hall, okay. Hall okay. County. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it. Yeah. We're actually in Hall County. Okay, um, okay cool. And uh, uh, the river uh, originates in the southern Appalachian Mountains and flows southwesterly through the Atlanta metro area before terminating in Lake Seminole at the Georgia-Florida border. The river runs for a total distance of about 434 miles. Okay. That's the good news. Now, here's uh, <laughs> talking about wise water. Here's uh, some, t- some statistics that may not be that, that good to know. The, the Chattahoochee River supplies 70% of metro Atlanta's drinking water, which is more than 300 million gallons per day. Wow. Uh, and the headwaters above Atlanta comprise the smallest watershed, providing a major portion of water supply for any metropolitan area in the country. Here's the interesting stat, though. As of 2008, there are approximately 169 facilities, including industries and municipalities, that are authorized to discharge wastewater into the Chattahoochee River Basin pursuant to the NPDES permit. Polluted stormwater is the primary cause of water quality problems in the Chattahoochee River Basin. Mm. So I don't know that that'd be wise water, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's more like dumb water. Yeah, yeah, not, not, not a wise use of water, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, wow. so continuing on the theme of that poem, who was the author of the poem? Uh-huh. Was it A, Walt Whitman, B, Sidney Lanier, or D, Edgar Allan Poe? Oh, man. Uh, I don't think it was. I mean, did you uh, did did you see the name of the lake you drove nearby on the way up here? Is that is that a hint? Do you remember that? Oh, Lanier. Or was it Lanier? Lanier? Yeah, yeah. So okay, it we'll was go with B. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with B. Very good. It All was right. Sydney Lanier. Uh, Folks, I, I remember memorizing the song of the Chattahoochee mm-hmm. back when I was in high school. We had to do it for school. Okay. But yeah. Sydney Lanier wrote that uh, poem, and of course, yeah. Lake Sydney Lanier is named after him. Sydney, the the Lake Lanier. Uh, started construction back in the 50s, mm. and uh, it was interesting. The first kind of uh, step towards the lake was the purchase of land in 1948 when 81-year-old Henry Shadburn of Forsyth County sold his 100-acre farm to the United States government for $4,100. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, Shadburn's <laughs> Ferry is a is an area of Lake Lanier okay. that we know about. So, wow. So, so the lake was just built, you said, in the 50s? In the 50s. Wow, okay. Man, that's really interesting. Yeah, we did see the sign for that on the way here. Okay, guys, now we're going to... S- lake. <laughs> that's right, Lake Lanier. <laughs> now we're going to switch from, from water over thinking about wise names to not-so-wise names mm. for cities. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay? Now, this is where you're really going to get stuck, all right? Oglethorpe. <laughs> that would not be a good name for a city. <laughs> okay, here's your first question. Which of these choices of cities uh, is the name of a real place, Okay. Is it impromptu Arizona? Is it, uh, I know you're assuming Kun Laude graduate of Harvard, but this is, thank you, okay. Laude, Tennessee. <laughs> or is it Idiotville, Oregon? What was the second one again? Thank, <laughs> thank you, you Laude. Thank you, Laude. <laughs> Instead of summa cum laude, or yeah. Idiotville, Oregon. Man, I'd have to go with Idiotville. Because it's just so crazy. You're doing well, guys. I tell you, these educated kids know how to get it. Idiotville, Oregon. <laughs> Idiotville is a ghost town and former logging community northwest of Portland. Most of its former residents worked at a nearby logging camp <laughs> called Ryan's Camp. 
Because of the camp's remote location, locals said that only an idiot would work and live there. They began referring to the surrounding area as Idiotville. The name was eventually borrowed for a nearby stream, Idiot Creek, and officially applied to the community on map. So there you go. Wow. There really is an Idiotville, Oregon. Okay. Idiotville, Oregon. Man. Now, here's your, here's your second. You've got two more questions, guys. Okay. okay. You're doing well so far. All right. All right. Now, you're going to name which is the real city. The real city. Okay. okay. A, John Cowan, Virginia. Oh, okay. my gosh. B, Glenn Campbell, Pennsylvania. Or C, Mark O'Connor, North Carolina. Oh, well, there's definitely not a Mark O'Connor. <laughs> John, I mean, I would lead towards Glenn Campbell because well, that, Glenn is he's like a more famous, form, but, but but it's also it might not be related to him, too. It could just be like a Campbell Glenn, you know, like Glenn Echo, like Glenn is sort oh. of a formation. Let's go with Glenn Campbell. Oh, my goodness. Now, Forrest, you're you're really doing well here, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're exactly right. This small town is in western Pennsylvania. It isn't named after the 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 uh, musician and singer yeah. Glenn Campbell, but it is named in honor of Cornelius Campbell, mm. the first superintendent of the Glenwood Coal Company, which operates the mines in the area. The Glen in, in the name comes from the Scottish word for a valley. Right. Yeah. 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 You were right on. I think I would have known about Mark O'Connor in North Carolina. So it's well, a, it's I, I should Glen named Campbell. I should have yeah. known. I should have known the. Uh, the crazy world couldn't stump a Harvard graduate. No, okay, no last I, one. I didn't learn any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last one, you guys. Let's see if you can nail this one. All right. Uh, again, you're looking for the real city. All okay. right. First one is Frog Tongue, Georgia. Second one is Crocodile Tail, Florida. And the third one is Toad Suck, Arkansas. Which one's real? Which one's real? <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. None of them sound like they're real. Oh, my God. You know what's funny is I've I mean, this could be totally wrong, but I have heard of Toad Suck. I feel like I've heard that, too. I don't know if it's and there. You're, and you're doing really well with it. But I don't know. I, I have heard of Toad Suck as, like, a people, like, joke about it, but I don't know if that's a real city. And, um, it's, and it's the most outrageous. And Frog Tongue? You said Frog Tongue, Georgia? Jeez, any of these could be real. But should we go with Toad Suck? Yeah, let's all right, let's just do it. Oh, my goodness, guys. You're exactly hey, right. You right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a widely accepted story about Toad Suck's name dates back to the days of a steamboat travel on the Arkansas River. Toad Suck sits along the river, and its tavern was a frequent stop for boatmen who were said to suck on the bottle until they swelled up like Toad. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. And, guys, for doing so well on today's ep- episode of the uh, the Crazy World Hour, you're going to go ahead and have one-way tickets to Toad Suck, Arkansas. Have a good trip. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. There we go. We're back on the air with Forrest O'Connor and Kate Lee, the champions of the Crazy World segment here on the Folk Hour. <laughs> and also happen to be terrific musicians and songwriters and thinkers. So, anyway. <laughs> well, guys, uh, where where is Wisewater headed? Where, where would you like to see your, your careers go? Well, yeah, that's a, a good question. You know, we've, um, we've only been together for about a year and a half and um, have had some pretty cool opportunities so far. Uh, we... Um, you know, we've been traveling with actually a great friend of mine who a co-wrote Call of Night with me, um, Jim Shirey, who's a friend of mine in college. And um, and he uh, returned home to to teach in his hometown of, of D.C. So it's the two of us now. And um, and I think, you know, we really like what we have going as a, as a duo for now. Um, it's well, we do, um, too. I'll tell you. Oh. <laughs> we do, too. Let me tell you. Well, thank you. You know, we, we love playing, like, uh, the Crimson Moon venues like that. We'll ho- hope to keep yeah. playing 
place like that and then slowly work up. You know, a lot of it's going to come down to getting music out there, and we really don't have much out there yet. Um, when we have our first album, that I think that'll help just get some, hopefully get a little bit of press and and um, and just more for people to take home with them and listen to um, whenever they listen to music. Uh, and, yeah, so I think um, just sort of keep working up as the the acoustic duo and see where that see where that goes you know eventually we could see um yeah you know kate actually opened a few tours for don williams um the great the great singer and and he had a full a full group with him percussion a couple guitars and and piano and and um but they all they're all world-class musicians they really got it and so the it wasn't just a full loud band you know it was it was it still felt acoustic yeah it was really tasteful and so eventually it'd be cool to have that kind of set up um when the logistics allow for it but right now we got the minivan and and our gear and some snacks yeah. and it's we like doing what we're doing yeah right now. We you're have, enjoying it yeah. yeah we have great jobs yeah. and, <laughs> and i think yeah just doing it bigger and reaching more people but i want to keep going with yeah. what we're doing because we're having a lot of fun yeah and definitely continuing to hone writing i think probably the biggest thing for us is is writing um and we have a lot more new songs in the works, even some that we just wrote like last week that we'll be hopefully playing pretty soon. And and um, and so, yeah, we'll just keep turning out songs. And That happy. progression never stops. That never We're stops, yeah. We're always writing more stuff and excited to move on to showing the new stuff to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's go to, to one off your EP. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed seeing your video of this. It's, it, I want to, the song is... Uh, what have I been saying? Yeah. Uh, f- let me first of all ask about the the video that's out there online. Did, did, is that something that was that you all created? Or yeah. yeah. So um, I in high school I never really took any film classes or anything, but I just loved making little short films as a hobby. Um, and but usually I didn't have very good equipment to work with. Um, but um, I so I wanted to sort of. Uh, do this this video on a budget rather than hire you know the whole crew and everything because that would just cost an arm and a leg so we rented some equipment and it was by far the best i'd ever used but you know it wasn't that expensive because we only rent it for a day um and we got a couple friends to come with us and all the shots that i'm not in i filmed um the ones i am in um i think kate might have filmed a, a few and then also a friend of a ours friend yeah, us, yeah. And we rented a dolly and everything and um, and lighting and um, turned out to look pretty good. I mean, having good equipment certainly helps with that, but that was a fun fun video. To it was very together. very well done. We'll set up the song for us and then let's play the song off the, off the Yeah. Um, so I wrote that um, right after I moved to Nashville. Um, and uh, I, yeah, it was, uh, it was sort, of, sort of going through a lot at that point um, and had, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Nashville, but still it was a new thing, you know, coming back like basically 15 years later. Um, and so it was a good that when you're going through some some tough times, it's kind of a good time to write songs. Um, and that what have I been saying is kind of based on stuff that I had learned from my mom because um, mm. I grew up sort of in a single. It was just her and me pretty much. Um mm-hmm growing up and 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 she's uh very wise and and there are some things in there that are just based on stuff that she told me growing up so that's kind of where that came from yeah okay let's go ahead and take a listen cool 
politics as well I have been witness to heaven and hell If you think you're improving The fortunes of children by sitting around You talk when you are should be moving So open your ears and go Start if you shut off your mind and you follow your heart, your heart. Listen. Forrest and Kate, I, I, this is something you both can respond to. I'm just curious, um, you all having just recently graduated from college and so forth, um, give us your perspective on folk music um, uh, it, for your generation. Uh, and, and, and tell me your thoughts about that. It seems like it is really deeply rooted now in, in your generation of folks. And, and, and maybe maybe elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, that's a deep question. Let's well, I 
I really got interested in folk music through my parents. And when I was in a band growing up, it was with um, some folks my parents' age, actually, who backed me up on guitar and banjo and different instruments. So I think it was passed down from that era. And I also, I grew up listening to a lot of Gordon Lightfoot and Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, a lot of that folk era was just so special and um so my music is really informed by that and I think a lot of musicians our age still really look to that kind of golden age and I think it's almost like we're about to hit on a new one it seems I mean maybe that's just bias because I'm starting to be part of it and Mm -hmm. but I, I do really it seems to be that in Nashville and in Boston there, there's a community really cropping up around folk music nowadays. What is your take yeah. on that for us? Yeah, I mean, well, I think one of the reasons, you know, obviously that it resonates with so many people is it's just real and honest and um, yeah. it can also be with no frills, you know, just kind of a one person with a, with a guitar or their instrument of choice kind of singing their truth um, and... Um, and so, but then there's also really great pickers too. Mm-hmm, so right. it's like it can be centered around the song or around playing or both. Well, that's yeah. I mean, there there are several aspects of it, which I, I was going to mention. Um, you know, there's the sort of overall sound um, mm-hmm. with certain instruments that contribute to what people consider a folk sound. Then there's the the instrumental talent that especially comes through in bluegrass. Um, and like old time fiddling and contest fiddling and stuff, and and then of course the the lyric approach. Um, you know, seeing something like um, like a sort of a, a Mumford and Sons phenomenon is right. is really interesting. Um, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, at least especially in in the bluegrass and folk worlds, just don't they don't approve of Mumford. Frankly, I lo- I really like them. I think um, honestly, I think they were just uh, they were taken by the music and in, um, in England. And just sort of did their version of it. And, you know, I think a lot of people uh, became sort of frustrated with their success with it um, because it's yeah. hard to be successful um, doing that. But they they obviously struck a chord with a lot of people. And I think, you know, for us, that's the most important thing is, is um, you know, the sort of combination of simplicity and, and realness um, in what you're talking about. Um, and you know, we love playing as well. Um, and, and the sound of it, but, um, but we generally try to kind of stay away from stereotypes, I think, cause when it, with a good song, it really can be played in any, any setting. Yeah. Um, and, um, so we kind of go for, for that. Um, but see, write... Forrest, I, I kind of look at folks like you and Kate, mm. But then I remember back in the New Grass Alliance days, you know, mm-hmm. when Sam Bush and John Cowan and Bela Fleck start pushing the envelope, progressing mm-hmm. it forward. And certainly your dad was part of that movement, too, and yeah. then went on to other areas, too. Yeah. Now I kind of see what you guys are doing are kind of another wave of let's let's push that out even more where the, the songs are not just strictly a formulaic. Yeah. Uh, they have really important lyrics, mm-hmm. and with beautiful, like, like even you today playing your octa- octave mandolin mm. for the main instrumental here, yeah. it's just wonderful stuff. <laughs> well, and uh, that's cool. You know, my thought about that is, and Kate and I were actually just talking about this the other day. Yeah. Um, that you know, 
it's it's phenomenal how many great players are out there. Um, fiddlers, guitar, mandolin. I mean, there are more. I think Chris Thiele helps with this uh, on the yeah. mandolin front, but more great mandolin players. I mean, certainly more than ever. Um, and and also a lot of great singers. Um, and honestly, the one thing that I I miss a little bit. Um, and I, I could be wrong, you know, we might just not be listening to the right people, but I feel like w- more people of our generation need to live up to that in the writing front. I really think mm. that the quality of, of composition, you know, you look at like Newgrass Revival and some of the stuff that was going on, um, even on the instrumental front in the 80s and 90s, it was just incredible and very modern, very progressive. And I, I haven't heard much like that, honestly. I mean, I would say the Punch Brothers are the closest, but... Um, but they're very different. I mean, they're not really going for accessibility. A lot, a lot of it's a lot of it's more cerebral. I mean, I like a lot of the stuff they do, but um, but all but not just the instrumental composition, also songwriting. Um, you know, there there are so many great writers in in Nashville. Um, you know, Nashville alone. You don't hear a lot of it on the radio, unfortunately. Yeah. I think that's changing. I think I really do think it's going to change pretty soon. It's going to um, change because the Chattahoochee Folk Hour is going up to the top. Yeah, right? that's, that's right. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, no, but uh, no, yeah. you're right. I mean, that's what I love about WBCX and and you know stations like WBCX that that put out wonderful music that's not influenced by market reports mm-hmm. or yeah. financial right, exactly. considerations yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Or that's trying to chase. And obviously, that's that's. As long as commercial music has been around, or I guess as long as music has been around, people have have tried to copy what came before, and and sometimes that's a really good thing. You know, like there's Bach copying all of Vivaldi's concertos, and that's how he kind of learned how to how to write himself. But I think I think really just um, songwriting. Uh, some people kind of go to the extreme and say it's a lost art. It's definitely not true. There are so many great songwriters, but um, but among sort of the younger generation of of people playing folk and acoustic your americana even even like folk pop kind of the indie realm um uh it just it'd be nice to see a little bit more really great writing sort of remin- and that's why a lot of people i think still harken back to the 60s and 70s there was so much good writing do, do you then. push yourself and challenge yourself that way for definitely us? yeah and we're still growing you know i mean i'll, I'll still write songs that all the time they're like oh man I, that's that's not where I want to be you know I want to keep yeah growing. so we're always growing I don't um, know we're not necessarily the solution to uh, that no no but we want to be <laughs> but we, we would like to be one of to, them yeah. yeah you know to go beyond just the <laughs> yeah the playing um and the the sound because those are very important things too but just to yeah. really try to hone our repertoire at least to make it as full of um writing that resonates with people as as possible and stuff that people, you know, ideas and feelings that people can really latch onto um, beyond just the picking or the or the sound. Or yeah, like that's that. beautiful. Let's we'll talk about picking and sound and songs. Let's get into another one. Yeah, yeah, we'll do one. It's actually we didn't write our my our friend Jim wrote it, so we sort of claim it uh, because uh, we're the first to play it. But um, it's a song he wrote um, toward the end of last year. So this one's called Stained Glass. Stained glass. Here yeah. we go. Wise water right here on the Chattahoochee Folk Out. When my life gets blown apart And I'm picking up the pieces of another broken heart They get put back all 
join Don't fit the same But that's the point Cause if you stand too close Or you look too fast You'll only see the pieces of the dreams That you've had dashed And take a one step back Let the sunshine Shores. You see stained glass There may be times When it may seem Like a shame to cry Like a way used to bleed over a dream But the tears you've spilled And the blood you've shed Will light the world In blue and red Cause you stand too Of the dreams that you had dashed Take a one step back Let the sunshine pass You won't see shots You see What a night this has been. Wisewater, Kate Lee, and Forrest O'Connor, uh, they're young and they're, they're wise. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, uh, that, our gener- that our kids' generations can have folks like you to grow up with, just like I grew up with Forrest's dad and Mark O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here in the studio. Thank you And so I wish much. you really all the best. Well, folks, this has been a special, special hour. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I hope you have a great week ahead. And remember... Every life is a song. Every life is a song worth singing. I'll see you back here next week on the Chattahoochee Folk Hour.